the service. Look fantastic today. Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Kato Connect Fano. So good to be here with you on this beautiful Easter Sunday. And just um, again, I'm just reminded as we, we do these services that all around the world and countries big and small and closed and open. Those who follow and acknowledge Christ will gather literally in their multiplied millions to worship, pray, and celebrate the resurrection from uh, the dead of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and at Connect Church today, we join gladly with those who on this day for some 2,000 plus years, every Easter Sunday have met and gathered and doing exactly what we're doing now, celebrating the fact that our Redeemer lives. About two of you, I said our Redeemer lives. That's three of you. I said just one more time that our Redeemer, our Redeemer lives. And just remembering Again, the New Testament preaches not a Jesus who was alive and is now dead. No, the New Testament preaches what? It preaches a Jesus who was dead and is now alive. That is, my friends, the power of the gospel. That is the power of the gospel message. And so if we're trying to understand if you're new to church and you're going, look, 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 look how, how does this all work out? What does the cross mean? What, is, what does the resurrection mean? What does, the, what does all of that mean for my life? If I can put it, put it like this, if the cross was the payment, the resurrection is the receipt. I'll, I'll say it again. If the cross was the payment, the resurrection is the receipt. Let me say it another way. If the cross was the payment for our sins, the empty tomb is the receipt for that payment. I'll say it another way. If the cross is the payment for our sins, the empty tomb is the proof of that payment. And so when we're talking about the resurrection, here's what we need to understand. The resurrection validates and substantiates the message and the messenger of the gospel, Christ Jesus. And what does the resurrection do? I know what it's done in my life, and I know this room is full of stories. This is our third service today. And again, just in each one of those services, there are so many stories of what God has done, of how He's come through at moments in our lives when we, we didn't know how we were going to make it or how we were going to get through. That's what resurrection life does. What does it do? It turns tragedy into triumph. It turns graves into gardens. It turns victims into victors. It, 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 it turns funerals into festivals. That's what the resurrection power does. You know, when we advertise this service uh, a week or so ago, and all of our services, the Good Friday service or whatever, our office got a phone call. And sometimes we get phone calls, we, we sponsor an ad, and it goes out, 
here are our services. Someone rang up very angry. And uh, so we just hung up. No, we didn't. No, we, 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 they rang up very angry. And they were angry about why, why are you calling this Good Friday service? What good? Uh, talking about the Friday service. What, what good? What, why is it a Good Friday? I mean, it was just so brutal. It was so horrible. How, how can you call it a Good Friday? Good question. The truth is simply this, is that Sunday's coming. It's good. I mean, what happened to Christ, I mean, is brutal, but he did it for us. And we know because of that, we can stand here today celebrating today the goodness of God. Because what happened on Friday frees us on Sunday. And so that's what the resurrection is about turns tragedy into triumph, graves into gardens, victims into victors, and funerals into festivals. And again, if you're here today and you go, man, I've been the victim of this. I've had this stuff happen to me and that stuff. I don't know how I'm, go- uh, how I'm going to get through. Here's the beauty of the uh, power of the resurrection is the fact that it can give hope even to the hopeless. And, and then the fact there might be stuff in your life now and going, that was dead. It's ended. There's no way that can be raised up. There's no situation. This situation, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a, a work thing or whatever it is. And you go, man, there is no hope to that. I want to tell you, in the resurrection, because of the resurrection, there are no hopeless cases anymore. God can do. He can even breathe life into that which is dead. I want to tell you today that the disciples thought Jesus had failed on Friday. But they were surprised on Sunday. Because what was dead is now alive. What seemed hopeless was now hopeful. And of course the stone was rolled away from the tomb. Not to let Jesus out. But to let the world in. That they might see. He's not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Come on, somebody give Jesus some praise in the house. See, I want to tell you, the resurrection is the proof of our reconciliation. The resurrection is the proof of our reconciliation, that that the relationship between man and God has been Reconciled. This is the power of the gospel. And I want to tell you, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. This gospel has changed my life. This gospel has changed me completely from the person that I was. As a drug addict for many years, messed up, not knowing what life held. Christ came into my life and turned it around. And I want to tell you, whoever you are today, maybe you don't think, man, he, could he do it for me? I want to tell you, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you right now. He can turn your life around and change it. This is the power of the gospel. The great apostle Paul said this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. By this gospel, and I want to make it clear, there is no other gospel. By this gospel, 
you are saved. What is the gospel that he's talking about? Well, he goes on to say this. He says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. And so Paul's saying here, that which I've received, I have, I'm now de- delivering to you. You've got to understand, Paul didn't make up the gospel. He didn't invent the gospel. He received it. He received it. A lot of people in today's world are trying to make up their own gospel. We, we need to find a, a gospel that suits our world and how we, friend, we are not to make up our own gospel. The preacher is preaching right now. We're to receive that which God has given. Paul received the gospel and then delivered it to the people. He said, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died. What's the gospel? Here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the gospel received by Paul then and delivered to you now. Please understand, and this is important, when we think about the gospel and when we think about church meetings like this, it is so important that you understand the gospel, which basically means good news, because how many know this, this is good news? It was difficult for Jesus to walk through, but I want to tell you it's good news for us. The gospel is not, understand this, the gospel is not some insightful teaching or some good advice. The gospel, please to be clear, is not some ear-tickling tips for living your best life now. It really isn't. If you're looking for that in, 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 as the message of, give me some answers, how can I do this, or how can I live life better, and all this kind of thing, you, nothing wrong with that, but I'm just telling you, that is not the gospel. The gospel at its core it's about Jesus. About two of you are happy about that. I said the gospel at its core is about Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. The one who is called Christ. At the core of the gospel are things that actually happen, real historical events. The gospel isn't a matter, it's important that you get it, of religious opinions, platitudes, or fairy tales. It's about real historical events. What are those events? Simply this, that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for your sins, my friend. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried and Christ rose again on the third day. This is the gospel, and this is the power of the gospel. Now, I said last Sunday that there is an old saying that goes like this. It says, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And you know, the feasts and festivals were so much a part of Jewish, Jewish life. And again, just a reminder that the faith which we profess did not come from America. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. It did not come from, this is not an American gospel. 
we need to understand that the faith which we profess today comes from the great city of Jerusalem and its surrounding holy land, from the east, from the city of our God. And so understand in Jewish life, festivals and feasts were very much an important part of those times and still today. As we learned last Sunday, Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. The table, the bread, and the cup, his death on the cross, as we learned last week, all coincided with the Jewish feast of Passover. According to the scriptures, Jesus, as he sat at the table with his disciples, which we, we now call the Last Supper or Holy Communion, Jesus said about that supper, he said in Luke 22, verse 15, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. On Good Friday, the Bible says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. There are so many symbols and types and shadows that we can see as we look at the old, where the new is concealed, now revealed in Jesus Christ. And so it's important we understand those things. Why? Because they allow us to, to go deeper, if you like, and get a deeper meaning and a deeper understanding of our faith. This is not something that has uh, happened in the last 100 years, 200, but this is thousands and thousands of years of tradition that we stand and preach before you today. There is so much that is concealed that is now revealed in Christ. And I do want to say here today, the resurrection is no different. The day on which Christ rose from the dead also coincided with another Jewish feast, with the Jewish feast of first fruits. And on that day, uh, please understand for the Jew who had just gone through Passover, a very big shift takes place in their thinking. Where on Passover, the focus is firmly on the past, what God has done, and the festival of first fruits, the focus firmly shifts to the future, what God will do. Bikram or the Feast of First Fruits is celebrated according to most traditions on the day after the Sabbath following the Passover. You can see it in Leviticus 23 verses 9 through 15. What happens on this day? Well, on this day, the first sheaf of the harvest was to be lifted up and waved before the Lord. They would take that sheaf of grain and wave it before the Lord as an offering to him. What did that offering symbolize? The first fruits offering not only preceded the coming harvest, but was regarded as the initial installment or tithe of the full harvest to come. It was no longer looking at the past, but looking at the harvest that was to come. And that's why Paul wrote but now in 
Christ. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit. So often we will run over scripture, not pause, not take time to think what is this actually saying. Here Paul is speaking back as he's trying to help us understand what it is moving forward. Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man death came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ, again, in Christ, we've been talking about it. It's so important that you understand the in Christ of Scripture. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all, everybody, everyone shall be made alive. That's good news right there. See, the risen Christ is the first fruit or first fruits of the resurrection harvest to come, of which you and I, if you are in Christ, are a part. What Christ did back then is affecting who you are in Christ now. You are the harvest from the first fruit offering. It's important that we understand that today. Know this. Because of that offering, because he rose as a first fruits offering, because he rose, we can rise. Because he got up, you can get up. Friends, I want to tell you today, because he rose, you can rise. As he hung on the cross of Calvary, upon him, the Bible says, was laid the iniquity or the sin of us all. But know this, know this, when Christ rose, our sin did not. When Christ rose, our sin did not. It was buried forever in his grave. Understand, death died when Christ rose. The sting of it, the power of it. Know when Christ, our first fruit offering, rose, your grave, your grave, because you see, all of us at one stage or another will die. That's not the good news. It's a fact of life. As someone said, nobody gets out of here alive. All of us, whether it's 20 years from now, whether it's tomorrow, will face that time. It is destined for one man to die once and then face judgment. We have to understand the reality of this. But know this, that when Christ, our first fruits offering rose, your grave was changed from a final residence to temporary housing. Come on, somebody say... Amen. And here's the thing, when, when, when you die, when you and I die, your, your friends, your friends, the people who love you, they will leave you at, your, at the grave. That's just the reality. When you die, your friends will leave you at the grave. I want to tell you, Christ will not. Christ will not. For in his death, we died. And in his life, we live. Jesus, speaking to Lazarus' sister, Martha, said this. 
He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever. Friends, I want to tell you today, this is not an exclusive club. I want to tell you this is for the whoevers are out there. You might be saying here today, could God ever love a person like me? Would God ever give his life for me? I want to tell you he gave his life for whoever. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone, and everyone in the Greek means everyone. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this question to Martha. Do you believe this? As Jesus asked Martha then, I want to ask you now. Do you believe this? Hallelujah. My microphone's not working. Do you, come on somebody. Do you believe this? Do you receive this today? You've got to know that Christ's resurrection is the chain-snapping, bondage-breaking, life-giving power of the gospel, friend. And so the challenge for us here today is simply where are you at with this resurrected Christ? If you died today, where would you spend eternity? These are real questions. I'm not here to tickle ears. I'm here to challenge. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Why should God let you into his heaven? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Friend, this is about acknowledging what Christ has done for us. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? Can you answer that question? I want to encourage you, if you're here today going, man, I don't know. I want to encourage you today to believe and receive his resurrection life today. And I want to tell you, you will never be the same again. Because listen, friend, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Being religious doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't save you. What saves you is the gospel. What saves you is the power of the gospel. That Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He rose again on the third day. Only the power of that resurrection can save you. And so I want to encourage you today to believe and receive His resurrection life today. Because here's the thing, because of what He's done, He has dealt with your past so that you can focus on your future. So the challenge to us today, and maybe you've been in church forever, I don't know. But the challenge for you today is that you would turn from your sin and come to Him who died that you might live. That you might declare as the Apostle Paul did, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
Because he rose, you can rise. The resurrection is proof of the payment. He is risen. Christ has risen indeed. The victim of Calvary is now loose and at large. And because he was not there in the tomb, I want to tell you, he is now alive through the Holy Spirit in this room. Ready to receive all who would come. All, whoever would believe. I want to encourage you today. Give your life to him. The resurrection of Jesus demands not just our applause, but our allegiance. Not just our compliments, but our capitulation, our surrender. And I want to challenge you today to surrender your life to Him. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. I want to ask you today, do you need to get right with God? You know. Do you need to get right with Him today? You know that you're far away. You know that your sin has separated you. You know you, know you need some of that chain-snapping, bondage-breaking power in your life. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we do at every service, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, and you might be here going, well, God can never love a person like me. God can never. I look, Pastor, look, there's so many, you, you don't know how bad I am. There's so many things I need to fix up. There's so many things I need to get right. Listen, friend, if you could do it, we wouldn't need Jesus. The, 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 here's the thing. You fall short of the glory of God. This is not about how bad you are. This is about how good God is. This is about what He has done for you. And so if you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. It says, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be the king of it. And if you're here today and you're saying, oh, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Wherever you're sitting, I just want to ask you, if you want to be included in that prayer, to get right with him today. I don't care if you've been coming to church for ages. I don't care. You know in your heart you need to get right. If that's you and you want to be included in that prayer, would you just slip your hand up wherever you are right now and you say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right. Thank you. Anyone else here today? You know. Thank you, sir. Anyone else down the back there? Thank you. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God today. Thank you here in the middle here. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God. Don't delay. Don't delay. Today is the day of your salvation. If you're watching online, maybe today you need to get right with God. Just where you're sitting, I want you to respond to this prayer. We're going to pray this together for those and with those who put their hands up. I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today 
a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Today, I turn from my sin and turn towards God. Be my King and my Lord from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for all those who said yes to Jesus today? If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, as you walk out of this auditorium, the pastors are holding up a gift pack there, and that's a New Testament and tells you a little bit uh, about the decision you've just made. Make sure you grab one of those. I tell you, it's the best decision. It's not the end of the journey, it's the beginning of it. Begin the walk today and follow Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you for making that decision. Heaven rejoices with you in that. If you need prayer as the service comes to an end, there will be a prayer station over here. There will be people ready to pray with you and for you for anything. But as we end this service today, I want to close it with what is called the doxology. What does that mean? The doxology is something that has been sung or spoken in churches oh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Doxa meaning glory. Logia meaning a saying. This is a saying that brings glory glory to God. It goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. At the end of that, I will then pronounce a blessing over you and pray for your family, and for your children, and for your children's children. Would you stand as we give the doxology?
Would you put your hands out to receive the blessing? If you would like the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom, peace. I pray for every family represented here, for our near and dear ones who do not know you. Today we intercede and stand in the gap for those who are far away from God. And we would ask, Sovereign Lord, that you would do a work in our families and our children who do not know you and our aunties, our uncles. Lord, all our far now that we are far away from you, God, we pray that you would hear our prayer today. that you would call them and draw them as you be lifted up you will draw them to yourself this we ask in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen Amen. well the service is over turn to the person next to you and say that was good can you buy me coffee now I'm thirsty (laughs)